and welcome to the second edition of our Student Matters series here at Beckett Careers. Uh, my name is Mike and today we'll be discussing the topic of equality, diversity and inclusion with representatives from our EDI team here at Leeds Beckett uh, and also an external employer from a company whose mission it is to support disabled people into work and support their employers to make this more accessible. Uh, we'll have a quick introduction from each of our guests today and then dive straight into some of the questions that have been sent in uh, by you, our students. So, uh, Craig, welcome to the session. I'd like to introduce yourself and to our listeners. I will, yeah, thank you, Mike. Thank you for uh, inviting me in. So my name's Craig Downing and I'm the Equality, Diversity and Inclusion Manager uh, here at Leeds Beckett University. And Rachel, welcome. Uh, would you like to just give your, um, yourself a quick introduction and, uh, and, and what you do at your organisation? Yeah, no problem. Um, I'm Rachel, I am a disabled woman. I founded SICK a year ago. It's a nonprofit that helps disabled people access training to get into work for their chosen careers. Um, I'm also a inclusive work culture expert. So I also go into businesses and help them develop their access and inclusive work cultures. Brilliant, thank you both very much for that intro. And uh, like, again, like I said, thank you for coming along today. It's a it's a huge topic that we've got to discuss. Uh, we'll try and get through uh, as much as we can in, in the time that we've got. And uh, with that said, I'm going to go straight into some of the questions that we've had prepared from, from our students and student ambassadors. And the first one is uh, diversity comes in in many different forms, race, age, sexual orientation, socioeconomic status. Um, what does diversity and inclusion uh, mean to, to you uh, and your organisations. And I'll, I'll come to you first on that one, Craig. OK, so I always look at diversity as being um, a little scenario I'll give you, I suppose. So, you know, when you when you do a jigsaw, you start normally with the edges and the corners um, and then you fill in the, the jigsaws into the, the, the whole part, the, the middle part of that to make it look like a bigger picture. And I think, you know, we're all individual pieces. So we're all individual to be able to celebrate our individuality uh, and what that can bring to that bigger picture of that jigsaw. Um, obviously at Leeds Beckett, we are a university that we have colleagues, uh, academic staff, professional services staff and students who, who come to us. Um, so, you, you know, you can't really get much more of a diverse mix uh, and a diverse community um, in there. And, you know, within that diversity, there is so much to celebrate and so much talent and so much difference um, that, you know, it's 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 just something that everybody should be aware of about how to celebrate um, diversity. Thank you. Thank you. And, and, and Rachel, same question to yourself. What, what does it mean mean to you? It means access for everyone. Um, recognising that barriers look different for different people, for different groups of people, but uh, you know there isn't one solution that is going to help us um, create that access for everybody. There's different biases when we look at ableism, racism, inequality. It's these structures that are just fundamentally in our institutions and what can we individually do, but also what can we do as part of the bigger picture as well? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Interesting that you both mentioned the sort of the bigger picture and 
the, the jigsaw pieces coming together it's really complicated isn't it to bring it all all together and and one question I've got from um, coming in from our students so when students are thinking about their careers um, and like sort of any maybe reasonable adjustments that an employer may need to make for them in a role uh, what would your advice be on how to approach this with an employer and, and plan for this what sort of support is available uh, to help students and I'll, I'll come to you first Rachel on that one um, firstly, it's be, being as aware as possible of your own individual needs, looking up access to work. That is a, an initiative run by the government that is great, but you are solely responsible for doing that. Um, also, um, you know, access does look different for everybody and it can change month to month. So don't don't be as restrictive on yourself. Um, a lot of people I talk to get quite um, upset and um, unsure about you know what they can even and they need something else another month, but they don't feel they can ask for it because there's some kind of imaginary quota of if I make too much fuss, you know that's going to be a problem which is incredibly damaging um, when disabled people specifically, you know, are, are looking to to get into employment. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Craig, have you got any any thoughts on that in terms of when students are thinking about reasonable adjustments they may, may need to make or if they've got um, sort of maybe some concerns about, you know, maybe the, the culture that they're going into and, and how they can they can um, see that it's a sort of safe and inclusive environment yeah sure and, and you know i reiterate everything that that uh, rachel just said there you know things do change and, and it's not about sticking yourself into a, a rigid structure it's about being flexible and i think how you can do that is is just ensure that the company you're going to look have a look at what edni provisions they have um what are their policies and guidance on uh disability and disability access um you know and, and whether they have inclusivity statements um and how they how they run if if they're on it shall we say then they'll be advertising it um because it's it's you know it's what would attract uh sometimes overlooked talent really um people that that decide not to go for an employer because they don't feel that they would be um welcomed into that environment but yeah I, i'd say just everything that rachel said just a little bit more about uh looking at that individual organization about what their EDNI provisions um, and their values are really. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so just talking about what their sort of ED, EDI uh, values are and mm -hmm. what um, sort of diversity inclusion and inclusion and even like cultural competency training, do you think that employers should be sort of including for their staff and and, and why is this important to, to sort of create that environment as an employer? It, it's it's interesting because it will vary from organisation to organisation and obviously regarding the sizes of those organisations and, and the resources that they have and funds available to, to share that. It's something that, you know, in an ideal world, everybody would have and it would be amazing and wonderful. Uh, it's not actually the case, but, you know, I think there, there are things when you're looking at uh, an organisation that you want to um, work with or, or be employed by, then, you know, again, the EDI provision, but looking at what policies they uh, promote and advertise um, and publish, 
whether they have inclusivity statements, anti-racism statements, what their values and beliefs are, what their visions are, that kind of thing, whether it's, it feels inclusive or whether it mentions inclusivity uh, and diversity. From a, a training perspective, I think, you know, I could give you a list a mile long of what training people should be doing, but I think there's always, should always be something around disability awareness, uh, black Asian minority awareness, definitely unconscious bias, as I like to call it, inclusive decision making, um, things about inclusive leadership that gives you a view in, into what they're um, asking their leadership and management teams to actually be involved with. Things like neurodiversity, um, trans and non-binary awareness, the equality legislation, so the Equality Act 2010, um, what kind of bullying, harassment, sexual misconduct or discrimination reporting systems do they have? Um, you know, discrimination can take the form of indirect or direct, so it's about how they understand that. But anything around homophobia, Islamophobia, xenophobia, anti-Semitism, transphobia, you know, as I said, I, I could go on and on and on, but it's about yeah. looking at the, the package that the organisation has, uh, has pulled together, really, to be able to support their employees and their values yeah absolutely and i feel like you've covered a, a lot there craig but um uh, rachel is there is there some thoughts that you've got on, on some of those things that that employees should be should be doing as well yeah i think one of the main takeaways is that companies can say whatever they like really um one of the best markers of how approachable is this business going to be for you is to look at their marketing. Uh, do they use uh, minority individuals to, you know, tell their stories? Are they using um, people of colour? Are they using disabled people within their messaging? What does them I'm just old white men telling you that actually they're going to be really inclusive? Or is it a really diverse, amazing, you know management structures where you feel that you could go in and really build a career for yourself and be supported to do that um another thing to mention is you know there are a lot of companies that that like to say that they have um the groups that meet to discuss the issues for different um minority groups within companies um which is fantastic however the biggest problem with that is that it's usually free labor so if you're going into a company and they're saying, actually, you know, you could join this group and you could let us know how to become more accessible and inclusive and um, you could do a speech for Black History Month or, you know, tell us how to be more LGBTQ friendly, but you're expected to do that on your lunch hour or outside of working hours and that's not actually being built into your role, then that's problematic. Um, also, you know, if you are there uh, being hired to do a job that is just nothing to do with EDI, it's also not your responsibility to educate your team, your managers, uh, the company at large on how to treat you like an, a human being <laughs> that is, you know, going to uh, perform well and, and do well for the company. So, staff training agreed, companies should be doing this as a standard. It shouldn't be tokenism around you know the different months of the year that we now have for everything it should be an ongoing process that is um you know really responsive and reflective of the the culture that they want to be building so 
you've, you've both sort of said it's really important for, for organisations to have sort of specific teams that focus on on, on, on EDI as opposed to it being part of someone's, you know, on top of their, their normal role. Um, so if it's important for, for more, which, which I completely agree with, that more, more employees have, have these teams, if a student is looking to sort of start a, a career and, and this is something that they, they would really like to, to sort of follow, um, what would be your advice to them to sort of maybe start a career in terms of getting into one of these roles that does focus on um, ED&I? Um, uh, Craig, have you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, well, you know, my, my entire personal values are about making a difference and doing the right thing. Um, and you, you find that people who are passionate about equality and diversity have very, very similar uh, values as well. And, and I think if, if you have those values and you want to do that and make a difference and do the right thing, then that's that's your real starting point. Um, again, you know, I, there are things that you could it's, it's how you 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 enhance your own awareness and your own understanding and knowledge of of really you know protected characteristics the equality act the equality act is like 249 pages um it's a detailed read if anybody wants to do that but it you know if a better understanding of of the nine protected characteristics going into a workplace environment would be really really um another really key key point for me um you know i think understanding the workforce within an, an environment that you go into uh, is also important as well not just the diversity of that but how that's reported um if you look at public companies they, they are expected to uh, publish a public sector equality duty report um that gives the the whole demographic of their of their workforce and that covers race age religion sexual orientation etc um you know, gender pay gaps, ethnicity pay, back, pay gaps, disability pay gaps. Public, com uh, private companies probably more um, promoting their own reports or their own statements. Um, again, if if that's something they're doing, then you know that that to me again demonstrates um, an engagement with EDNI um, and how people can can be more aware of what's happening with regards to how the values and strategies. Um, the plans of that organization set out it will give you you know their timelines whether it's just lip service they're paying or whether they're actually you know there are they are ticking the boxes as you would say but also about what has been delivered and what the next steps are and what that progress is and, and how they've worked on maybe some development areas as well so that that's yeah again just just again a small snapshot of what i would think uh, is a good starting point yeah yeah no thank you great advice and uh rachel you sort of set up your own uh, business focusing in, in, in this area and could you just tell us a little bit about maybe how that came about just in case that that's going to um, inspire some of our, our students that might be listening that might want to follow a, a similar uh, path. Yeah um, so I am disabled and I tried the nine to five Monday Friday work routine in an office and as somebody who doesn't particularly present as disabled, I don't use a mobility aid, I have an invisible disability. Um, there are privileges that, that come with that and um, I can also advocate for myself very well. And I just, I knew three months into this office job that actually if this was about to put me in the hospital, what on earth is the state of disability work for those who 
require a lot more adjustments, a lot more support um, to even just access the workplace. Um, so I went back to um, writing, which is my uh, hobby, my passion, and, and started a blog about being a disabled woman living in a city trying to navigate life and it quickly snowballed into um, developing training programs for those who would like to enter a career doing editorial and content to then bringing on my business partner and doing it with marketing and then studying and realizing that actually there is this absolutely massive gap in education around disability when we talk about EDNI disability for the past five ten years just has not even been on the the panel talks it hasn't been you know what has been discussed um, we're slowly starting to see due to the pandemic and disability kind of being shoved to the forefront of our conversations uh, with you know flexible working working from home that disabilities started to, to to be a pretty main focus which is fantastic um, and actually on, on your last question something that is kind of cool to point out is that actually it's no longer the big businesses that are just focusing on EDI and even are employing EDI um, SMEs smaller businesses now um, they may not overtly have the role as EDI. I've seen some wonderful <laughs> role titles. I think People Happiness was one that I saw for a, a new startup. So, the uh, getting into EDI as a career, it's um, definitely, definitely moving in the right direction um, and becoming something that businesses are just, yeah, really, really looking for. Yeah, it's absolutely. It's really good to to see that change and that shift in from business. And then I think um, you know about SMEs as well, sort of following as, as well um, because because of how how important it is. And no, thank you for that story um, about your your career journey. I'm sure there will be people listening that maybe sort of that resonates with them and maybe hopefully follow a, a similar path. Um, another question that we've uh, had come in um, from, from one of our students is. Who would you recommend as being um, some of the best employers for having a, a diverse workforce, um, sort of maybe in, in Leeds and Yorkshire or, or further further afield as well? We've talked about a lot of the things that um, you should be looking for with, with employers and, and see some of the, the things that they should be doing on, on, on this topic. But um, have you got any, any suggestions of, of people that do it really well, basically? I'll, I'll come to you first on that one, Rachel. So a standout um, big business is uh, Lloyds Banking Group. They have been um, really, really on it with disability in the workplace. They've got fantastic internal disability support systems. And um, further to like echo my last point, the groups that they, they have within the business around disability, it's not free labour. They genuinely do make space for those conversations. And um, I've had many conversations with employees of Lloyds Banking who've reached out to me to say, you know, this is, you know, actually for real, which is very refreshing. Um, and then further on to um, SMEs, um, no specific ones to kind of recommend locally, but definitely SMEs have the ability to be far more 
responsive to implementing policies to um, hiring um, talent that you know doesn't take three to four stages of interviews and 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 um, testing really to to hire somebody so if you are a graduate if you're looking to um, enter into the workforce and you have a disability or you feel that you know you're gonna need the support of um, a system that you know will want to support you equally SMEs are definitely the way to go I feel right now yeah no re really good advice um we are doing a lot of work with um sort of highlighting SMEs as a, as a as an option for graduates and I think this is just something else to 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 highlight for them um and uh, yeah Craig have you got any thoughts on some people that, that do this sort of really well yeah, I have. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm probably not prepared to to just pinpoint uh, one or two because I think there are there are so many in the in this region, especially, yeah. but but you know nationally as well. That, that there's quite a few. Um, I think for me, it's again maybe going back to that little bit of homework. Yeah. Um, if you're looking at a company that you're wanting to to work with or, or for about what their EDI provision is. So we've talked about things like their training. We've talked about, you know, whether if they're a public company, looking at the public sector equality duty reports and the gender pay gap reports, which will give you an indication of the diversity within um, the organisation. But I think in addition to that, looking at the data of what diversity they have, it's about how they engage in that. and. There are companies who um, and organisations that you know work in collaboration with specific EDI practices as well. So we have areas like the National Centre for Diversity, creating inclusive cultures, uh, inclusive employers. There's a number of organisations um, where you can sign up and and effectively have like a charter mark or a, uh, an award badge for the work you do with regards to EDI. Now again they can sometimes be just like a tick box exercise we've got it but actually we don't put it into practice so it's about understanding how they if they've achieved those charter marks and those badges it's about what actions they've got in place after that um so yeah without naming any individuals you know we, we've got there's so many uh, quite large anchor groups within Leeds that um you know most of them are doing something um some better than others some more engaged than others uh, but some with a lot more development that, that's needed so i think you know it's it's do your understanding and awareness homework of of what their values and principles are how and where edni sits in that and what collaborations they have um and that that will give you a, a good a good starting point with it and and where do you think is the best place to find out some of this this information? Is it is it just on the website? Is it on their social media channels? Is it good to to follow them? Like what? Where would you find out some of this information about them to find out who's doing it, um, doing it well and have got the the kind of charter marks that you, that you mentioned? Yeah, absolutely. I think definitely looking on their websites. Obviously, they'll be published to their own specifications. But looking on social media as well, where you you'll get a true feel uh, and comments from. Um, you know the general public uh, I suppose as well but also as I've said there are specific EDNI companies so if you if you googled some of those they would be able to they'd come up like National Centre for Diversity or creating create, um, inclusive cultures who you'd be able to kind of see who the partnerships are and, and what they're working at um, and they'll, they'll tell you who as well they have a list of, of, of organisations that they are working with 
as well. So, you know, it may, may open up even more doors for you about organizations that, that are specifically uh, good. I know, I know I said I wasn't going to pinpoint one, but um, that there is a company in Manchester who basically um, have the most amazing uh, awareness of autism uh, and an autism program that comes in. Um, it's a company to do with cars. I'm not going to mention the name, but they they've they've really really led the way um, with how we approach um, autism and and bringing autistic individuals into workplaces. So yeah, there's there's lots. But if you, if you if you contact or look at these these individual EDI companies, they will give you the lists of who they are um, involved with and what practices they've got in place. Brilliant. No, thank you. Thanks for that. And again, some really good advice about where to find that that uh, that information and in doing your research and your homework uh, on the companies. And uh, we've just got another question that's that's coming through. Uh, that I wanted to to cover. It's something that's been mentioned um, sort of briefly um during the discussion all, already but um, many of our students may feel that they uh, may have suffered from unconscious bias during an interview process or may be worried that this will happen to them um, what advice would you give to students who fear this may happen in terms of, of choosing the employer to apply to and what sort of processes should employers put in place do you feel to make sure that unconscious bias uh, uh, doesn't happen so I'll, I'll come to you first on that one Rachel that's a big question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll uh, start with the employers um, because I think it then ties into what individuals should look for. So <clears throat> during the interview process, you, if you are coming across, uh, um, if you're being interviewed by people who, you know, look like you, have the same um, background as you, understand you then yeah if, if you're being interviewed by people who get you then un uh, unconscious bias is it's sadly pervasive and there there are not going to be any solutions to this but if you are applying for positions in companies with strong EDI values you're being interviewed by uh, panels that are diverse and um, understand you know why that's important they're not just there for tokenism then uh, that's that's a great company to work for hopefully <laughs> it's, it's kind of like the first tick box that you should be looking for when you um you know are, are, are doing that um stage and equally you you have the opportunity to ask them questions too this isn't just an interview of whether you're a good fit for their company. This is whether they're a good fit for you. So take that opportunity to have a few questions in your back pocket around EDNI if that is a specific area that you know you're really concerned about and use that opportunity to question them. And if those answers aren't, you know, to your liking, if you if you feel uncomfortable, then that is not a company that you should be working for, putting your time into. Um, so yeah, I, I think it is kind of like a, a round circle question of employers should be making sure that their interview stages are as accessible and inclusive as possible. And if they're not, then that is an immediate red flag as an individual looking to you know enter that company and yeah and it's such good advice that about the you know it's not just about you seeing if you fit there and if you 
um, are fitting in with those com that company, you've got to make sure that, that that company is right for you as well. And I think sometimes students can can sometimes maybe forget that in an interview process and think it's all about I've got to impress press them and I've got to show that I'm right for them. And it's not. You've got to take that opportunity to make sure that that company is right for you. And if you've got any red flags, as, as you say, then, you know, it, it's all right to, to to dip out of that situation and remove yourself from it. Um, and uh, Craig, you had a, had another term for unconscious bias that you like to call it. So uh, I, yeah, did, I, I, do, I did. I did. Yeah. yeah. Firstly, I'll just say, can I just mention about interviews that I always see interviews the interview is not the test. The interview is a showcase. Yeah. So the fact that you've, you've got an interview, you've passed the test and the interview is a showcase for you to, to show who you are. Um, and I, I always like to try and put a positive spin on that because otherwise, you know, my, my imposter syndrome kicks in as well. Um, but yeah, I, I do. And I could talk about unconscious bias all day long. Um, but we, we need to be mindful as, as well that we have conscious bias. But yeah, we'd, I prefer to use the term inclusive decision making um it stops some of the uh microaggressions of the ro eye rolling when you talk about um unconscious bias and people think oh here we go again um but I, you know it, it is it is a really really fundamental point and i think what rachel said is is great um and just maybe to to add to that that i think if you are aware of your own biases and you know how to mitigate them it, it helps and supports you to be able to identify them in others um better as well so yeah we're in an interview situation you you have the opportunity to ask questions if you don't have an opportunity to ask questions i wouldn't go anyway um but you're right about asking asking those questions asking challenging questions that maybe you know they don't they they, they weren't aware of or, or looking at their recruitment process and what is the panel composition um if it if it's you know all middle-aged white men then you know that that's a that's a question to ask it you know what what is your panel diversity policies our guidance and you know it, it may make them feel uncomfortable and and you may think actually i'm pushing pushing it a little bit here but it's going to demonstrate your beliefs and your thoughts uh, on there and and you know I, I think looking at again just as a tip to look at the 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 makeup and and panel uh, the executive boards um on our leadership of organisations as well will, will give you an insight. I think, um, and I've, I've mentioned this to you before, Mike, but th there was a survey done by Deloitte called the, uh, the Diversity Inclusion Resolution, Eight Powerful Thoughts in about 2018. So it's a little bit old, but they, they mentioned that if we create and manage a really inclusive culture in an organisation, then you're three times more likely to be high performing, that you're six times more likely to be innovative and agile and that you're eight times more likely to achieve better business outcomes. So, you know, the the the, the fact that you can look and find an inclusive um, culture within an organisation um, means it really you, you're probably going to have a, a better performance uh, of, of yourself as well on that on that score. Yeah. Wow. Some really, really powerful uh, uh, stats there. Um, I think that's probably about, you know, all, all we've got sort of got time for uh today thank you both for, for for taking part um and just have you got any sort of final thoughts that you'd just like to give to our our students on on this topic um just before we we uh we close the session for today um uh, rachel i'll come to you first this time the the pressure that we feel as graduates 
to land that job that is going to be our career for life and it's going to move us up the ladder and it's going to be you know this incredible um start to a career is immense and the pressure that we put on ourselves is just so unnecessary <laughs> because the reality is that careers are squiggly lines and you don't have to get it right the first time you don't have to stay with a company that doesn't treat you right you don't have to stay with a manager who doesn't respect you your values and your accommodations and if you are not in the right situation for you um leave i know there are um, a lot of you know conversations around you know how much privilege there is in that scenario but the reality is for many disabled people staying in a job that isn't accessible leads to a lot of problems later a lot of health problems and ultimately you know it could lead to being off sick and unable to work for many many years so as much as it is about being a graduate and being told you've got to fit in you've got to really hustle you've got to prove yourself and overachieve to you know be seen to be you know this perfect employee mental health well-being feeling that you are being appreciated doing the work you do is equally as important so yeah that's my number one tip to graduates looking yeah. at for jobs and you know what what's yeah no thank you that squiggly line uh theory that you mentioned as well is something that we uh um advocate a, like a lot yeah. at Beckett careers that you know it's you, you don't have to get it right first time and that's what you're going to do for the next you know 10 15 20 years you can make changes you can um take different experiences and, and make sure that you're you're in something that is that is right for you it's okay to change if something isn't right for you uh, and yeah, and same to you, Craig, have you got any any final thoughts for our students on, on the topic? Yeah, I have. I'm, I'm going to give you another stat, though. Um, Go know, ahead. Based on what I just said as well, I would, I would say that, you know, from that survey I mentioned, 30% of millennials have already left a job for a more inclusive environment elsewhere. So, you know, do your homework, find out, find the right places that have got these um, and EDI provisions in place and practices and, and their culture is inclusive. As I said, you know, make, want to make a difference, do the right thing, um, be true to yourself and be your authentic self. Brilliant. No, thank, I think that's, that sums it up very nicely. And I think that's a, that, that's a nice way to, to finish. Thank you uh, both again so much for your time. It's been such a valuable conversation um, and I'm sure there's an awful lot of uh, points in there that our students can, can take on board, can um, start to implement and can start to uh, use when they think about, about this topic in their, in their future careers. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.